We're in week two of a series called Baggage. And I want to talk to you today about shame off you. Shame off you. We all deal with the issue and the subject of shame. The problem occurs is when we start carrying around the baggage of shame. It's one thing to, to deal with it from time to time. It's another thing to carry baggage with you of, throughout life when you're just carrying shame with you. And, and the thing about shame is it can go undetected by many because shame is not an outside job. It's an inside job. And friends may not know you're carrying it, and family members may not know you're carrying it and dealing with it, but shame is an inside job, and it's so lethal. It's, it's kind of like a cancer. It can eat away at your soul. It eats away at the inside and can cause you so many problems in life. And I want to talk to you about the baggage of shame. Some of you are carrying it around today. And it's hindering you from being all that God desires you to be. First of all, I want to look at the cause of shame. The cause of shame. Point number one in your notes there, you can fill in the blanks. Point one is sin and mistakes bring shame. You don't have to have shame because of sin and mistakes, but shame is what, sin and mistakes is what brings shame into our life. And we can go back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the first man and the first woman named Adam and Eve, if you don't know the story, Adam and Eve, when God created them, everything was perfect. There was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no insecurity, man, woman, they didn't have insecurities, there was no shame. The Bible says this in Genesis 2 and verse 25, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. All the men say, amen. Yeah, uh -huh. both naked, but felt no shame. It's, it's interesting to me that, that when the Bible is describing perfection, when the Bible is describing the purpose atmosphere to live in, the one of the things the Bible points out to us is there is no shame. And then Satan shows up on the scene in the garden, and he begins to tempt Adam and Eve to sin. He tempts them to eat from the one tree that God told them not to eat from in the middle of the garden. And something else interesting takes place here in Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5, between Satan and Eve as he's talking and tempting Eve. The Bible says, Satan says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And now, Here's the benefit Satan says about your eyes being open. He says, knowing good and evil. Now, now, Satan knew that their eyes would be open, but he also knew that the results of their sin, it wouldn't be good. Friends, friends can I tell you that they were already experiencing good? It don't get any better than perfection. I mean, it can't get no gooder. I mean, that's bad English, but it's the truth. 
I mean, how, 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 how much good can it get? Things are perfect. There is no sin. He says, listen, when your eyes are going to be open, you're going to know good and even though it can't get any, any, any better than what it already is. You see, Satan wanted Adam and Eve to sin because he wanted them to experience the negative effects of sin. He wanted them to experience the consequences of sin. And one of the negative effects of sin is shame. Listen to what the Bible says after they sinned in Genesis 3 and verse 7. It says, at that moment, at the very moment they sinned, at the very moment they disobeyed God, I want you to see what crept in. The Bible says their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. One of the first consequences, at the very moment they sinned, Adam and Eve began to feel shame because of their sin, because of their mistake. You see, sin and mistakes can cause us to carry around the baggage of shame. And I know this from my own life and personal experience. I always try to be candid with you because I don't have it all together. I've made lots of mistakes. And when I was in high school engaging in immorality and sex outside of marriage, I dealt with shame. I remember carrying around the baggage of shame and feeling nasty and feeling unworthy. Even after I became a Christ follower and began to live for the Lord, I still carried around the baggage of shame for, for a while. I mean, I had thoughts like, I mean, will I ever be able to get married? Will, will God, I mean, how could God bless me with a great wife, with what I've done and how I've lived? I, I carried shame around because of sin, because of mistakes. And, and some of you, you know this as well, because, because you've made, made mistakes and, and, and sinned and, and you've carried around shame before. And some of you today, you're still carrying around shame. You, 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 you've lied and you've told lie after lie after lie in your past and, and you, you, you carry around this shame and you, you carry around this, this junk on the inside of you because of, of sin and mistakes. Some of you, it's, it, it's because you, uh, of, of financial mistakes and maybe you've made some poor financial decisions. Maybe you got yourself into too much debt. Maybe you, you filed bankruptcy and, and because of financial mistakes, you're carrying this shame around. And you feel so unworthy. And you feel like, you know what, I'm just, I'm a loser because of what I've done. You're carrying shame around. Some of you, you're carrying shame because of an abortion. And you had an abortion and, and, and it was a mistake. It was, it was a sin. And, and, and yet you're still living, some of you, years later with this shame on the inside of you. And it's like a cancer. It's, it's eating away at you. People on the outside, they can't see it. They can't detect it. But it's eating you away on the inside. Some of you, it was a sexual sin. It was an affair. It was engaging in sex outside of marriage. It was stepping out on your mate. And you're carrying shame around. And it's eating away at you. It, it's a baggage that you're carrying around day after day after day. Some of you, it's divorce. You've been divorced or maybe a second divorce and, and you're carrying around, you're carrying around shame. It's like one of my closest friends, Lynn Wheeler, when, when he came to speak to us about divorce in, in February, he's, he's been divorced and he's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he shared with us that every time he would walk into a place or to a restaurant, to a church, he felt like he was marked with a big D that said divorce everywhere he went. He felt labeled and marked. He was carrying shame around some of you are carrying shame around and it's not even your fault 
You didn't make the mistake. You didn't call, you didn't do the sin. Somebody did it to you. You're a victim of rape or molestation or abuse. And it's not even your fault, but you're carrying shame around. And it's weighing you down. And there's shame on the inside that, that's eating away at you. It's not your mistake. It's somebody else's mistake. It's somebody else's sin. But you're carrying around shame. And, and Satan, our adversary, our enemy, he wants us to carry around the baggage of shame so that it will paralyze us from being what God wants us to be and becoming what God wants us to become, to carry around this shame, to stop us from maximizing our potential and doing what God wants us to do. He wants us to carry around shame. The cause of shame, sin and mistakes can bring shame into our lives. I want you to notice the second thing. I want to look at the consequences of shame. We looked at the cause of shame. Let's look at the consequences of shame. Number one is this under this point is we allow shame to define who we are. That that's a consequence of carrying shame. Notice this in Genesis 3 and verse 7. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So, I want you to see their response. So, they began to do some things. So, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They let shame define who they were. I want you to see that Adam and Eve, they were affected by shame, and it affected how they lived their life. When Satan has his way, people start connecting what they did and what happened to them with who they are. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something bad and I feel guilty about it, about it and need to and need to change. Shame says I did something bad, so I am bad. Guilt says, I did something wrong, and I'm not proud of it, and I need to, to change. Shame says, I did something wrong, and I'm a horrible person. Shame says, I'm worthless. I'm a nobody. I failed at the business. I failed at the marriage, and I, I'm a failure. Shame says, after what I did, how in the world could God love somebody like me? I'm a bad person. I'm dirty. I'm no good. I'm nasty. You see, when you're carrying around shame, what happens is you allow what you did or what happened to you to begin to define who you are. It happens to so many people. It's a cancer. It starts eating away on the inside of you. And I've done that. I've allowed mistakes in the past to create shame in my heart. And I allow, I allow it to start shaping my identity. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm nasty. I'm dirty because of what I've done. And you know today, you know today that you're carrying around shame if you feel that way today. If you feel like a loser, a failure, nasty, you feel unworthy and dirty and filthy. Can I tell you today, you're carrying around the baggage of shame and it will eat away at you. It's affecting how you're living life just like it affected how Adam and Eve began to live their life. There, there's a second consequence that I want you to see regarding shame. Number two is this. We hide from people. We hide from people. Notice this in Genesis 3 and verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover, to cover themselves. 
Now, now the interesting thing here is there was nobody else in the garden, nobody else alive besides Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, they've been walking around in the garden naked. All of a sudden, they sin. There's nobody else there. And now they want to cover themselves to hide from one another. I mean, there's nobody else there. And here they are, they've sinned, and now they feel shame that they're naked, so they get fig leaves, and they cover up themselves so they can hide from one another. And can I tell you, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, marriages have never been the same. Can I tell you, every time I get out the shower, the first thing I want to do is put on a towel. I want to cover myself. Have you ever noticed kids, little kids, they just run around naked everywhere? Ah! Oh! Body dance, body dance, body. Put it, just get your diaper on. No, body dance. Naked, naked. Huh? Us grown folks, we get out the shower. It could just be me and Tiffany at home by ourselves. Oh, no, baby, I don't want to run around the house like that. I'm going to put a towel on. You know what I'm saying? We cover ourselves. And can I tell you, it affects how we live our lives. Because when we mess up, when we make mistakes, and we sin, do you know what we do? We have a tendency to hide from the very people who can help us. We have a tendency to get the fig leaves. And we have a tendency to cover ourselves. And we've got sin and mistakes. And the very people who love us and can help us, we start shutting them out. We start covering ourselves. Nobody can know. Nobody would love me. Nobody would be able to help me if they knew the shame, if they knew what I've done. And we start hiding from the very people could help us. And Adam and Eve, the only two people in the garden, and they sin and shame because they fill their hearts and they start hiding from one another. There's a, a, a third consequence that I want you to see with shame. When, we, when we, we start carrying around the baggage of shame, the third thing is this, we start hiding from God. We hide from God. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 and 10 says this, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Notice what happens. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, Adam said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You see, Adam and Eve, they, they sinned and their, their hearts were so full of shame and now they're hiding from one another and now they're hiding from God. And they're hearing the voice of the Lord. They're hearing God in the garden. And you know what they do? They go and they start hiding behind trees. They start hiding from the God who loves them. They start hiding from the God who created them. They start hiding from the God who could restore them. They start hiding from a God who had a plan for redemption for their lives. They were hiding from God. And so oftentimes when our soul gets scarred with shame and we're carrying around the baggage of shame, we don't just hide from people, we hide from God. We can come to church, hide from God. Go to work, hide from, go home, hide. We hide from a God who loves us. And some of you today, you're carrying around the baggage of shame and you're like Adam and Eve. You're hiding from your heavenly father, from the one that can restore you and can help you and can wipe away the shame. And you're hiding 
from God. You're hiding your heart. You're hiding your emotions. You're covering up yourself from God. There's a fourth consequence that I want you to see when, 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 when we carry around the baggage of shame. Number four is we play the blame game. The blame game. Notice this in Genesis 3 and verse 11 through 12. It says, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. In other words, Adam, you've been naked ever since I created you. I went to the world. Who, who told you you were naked? You've been naked the whole time. What's the big deal? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was that woman you gave me. Uh, I didn't make up the Bible. Now, I'm just reading what it says. I mean, God, I was doing fine. You the one that said I was lonely and needed to help me. It's that woman you gave. You the one took her from my rib. I mean, you gave her to me. It's that woman you gave me is what Adam begins to say, the blame game. Who gave me the fruit? And I ate it. Verse 13, then the Lord asked the woman, who, what have you done? And she said, the devil did it. Amen. Uh, that's where they came from right there. The devil did it. The, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate. You know what happens to Adam and Eve? They, they sinned. They messed up. Their, their hearts are full of shame. And what, what happens is you start playing the blame game. Instead of Fixing the problem, you start fixing the blame. And friends, when you're carrying around shame, you know what your spiritual enemy wants you to spend your entire life doing? He wants you to spend your entire life fixing the blame because he knows if you spend your life fixing the blame, you won't fix the problem. You know, so many people, when, when, when we're dealing with shame and, and the junk of the past and we're carrying around baggage, we have a tendency to start pointing fingers at everybody. Well, it's because of mama and it's because of daddy. It's because of the abuse I went through. And, and man, that, it is horrible. It's because of a, a boyfriend, an ex-husband, and an ex-wife. It's because of an old job. It's because of a friend who did me wrong. It's because of a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And we can spend our entire life fixing the blame because of our shame instead of fixing the problem. Say, I'm not going to continue to blame everybody else and continue to carry around the baggage of shame. They define themselves by shame. They hid from each other. They hid from God. And they're playing the blame game, the consequences of shame. I want to now turn our attention to the cure from shame. We looked at the cause. We, we've looked at the consequences. Let's look at the cure from shame. Number one is this. Stop living in the past. Stop living in the past. Friends, Satan the devil, your spiritual enemy, he wants to torment you with your past. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Revelation 12, it says that Satan is the accuser of the brothers. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of Christians, of, of, of men and women of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. He accuses us. Can I tell you, Satan constantly throws up our past. He constantly throws our past in our face. He loves it. He loves to bring up our past. I mean, it's what he does. You, you, you remember what you did back in 1993, don't you? Oh, yeah. You remember what you did? You can't pray today. You, you, remember, how, what, you remember what you said in 2001? You remember that? You, you remember how you acted? How in the world are you going to come to church? <laughs> I'm going to come to church. You remember how you talked this week? You remember what you said? And he's, he's the accuser. 
of the brethren. He constantly brings up our past and throws it in our face. He wants us to feel unworthy. He wants us to stop serving God. He wants us to stop praying. He wants us to stop coming to church. He wants to throw up our past and put so much shame on us that we feel like we can't walk with the Lord. Can I tell you, the devil is a liar. Friends, I want you to know that if you're a child of God, if you've given Jesus Christ your heart, that you have been forgiven of your sins. Your past has been wiped away. Can I tell you, the Bible says that when God washes away your sin, he casts it as far as the east is to the west. He casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And you keep coming to God, telling God why you can't do such and such and why you can't serve him. Well, God, you know what I did back in 1993? God says, no, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. You're forgiven. I washed it away. Stop living in your past. Stop letting your past define you. You are forgiven. And friends, hear me today. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. I'm going to say it again. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. Stop living in the past. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things. Everybody shout all things. Oh, come on. That wasn't a shout. Everybody shout all things. Yes, yes, yes. And we know that in all things, that's good and bad. That's mistakes and good decisions. In all things, God works for the good. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, can I tell you, if you love God today, if you're a child of God today, whether it's the mistake or it's the good decision, whether it's the good or the bad from the past, the Bible says when we love the Lord, that God takes all things and he works it for the good. God can take it and work it for the good. Listen, you cannot go back and make a brand new start, but you can start from now and make a brand new end. Stop living in the past. Stop living in the past. Stop living in the past. It's Satan. It's your spiritual enemy that keeps throwing your past at you. And God keeps saying, no, 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 I'm taking all that and turning it for the good. Quit focusing on the past. Number two is this. There's a second cure from shame, and that is embrace who you are in Christ. Embrace who you are in Christ. Now, I don't have a scripture under this point because I would have to put half the Bible under here to convey everything that this point would need to convey. But I want to say this to you. Here's what the Bible does not say about a child of God. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a son or daughter of God, the Bible does not call you a nobody. The Bible does not say you're a loser. The Bible does not say that you're dirty or you're nasty. The Bible does not call you a failure. The Bible does not say that you're ignorant. The Bible does not say that you're a fool. No, that, that, that's Satan. That's the adversary. Can I tell you what the Bible says about you? I mean, you got to read the Bible. The Bible says things about you like you're forgiven. The Bible says things about you like you're holy and that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you're a child of God. 
that you're an heir with God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. The Bible says things like you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. The Bible says things like you're more than a conqueror. The Bible says things like you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says things like you're made in the image of God. The Bible does not say you're a loser. You're a child of the King. You may have made some mistakes, but you're not a mistake. You have made some failures, but you're not a failure. You've got to embrace what God says about you. Stop listening to Oprah, Dr. Phil, CNN, and Fox News. Look to God's Word. God's Word says you're a child of the King. You're a child of the King. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're more than a conqueror. That's who you are. I'm trying to get somebody free today from shame. You've been defined by shame for too long. You got to embrace who you are in Christ. That's why I constantly tell you, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible so that you can find out who you are in Jesus Christ. The things the world's pumping down your throat's not the truth. You're a child of the King. Number three is this. The cure from shame. The cure from shame. Come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. Stop hiding from God. Stop hiding from people who love you and can help you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16, it says, for we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, the Bible is saying that Jesus, our high priest, he does sympathize with our weaknesses. He sympathizes when we're carrying shame. He sympathizes when we're loaded down. He sympathizes with us. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But the Bible goes on to say, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. He's been tempted in every way that we've been tempted, just as we are, yet was without sin. Notice verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Not not hide, because you serve a God who empathizes and sympathizes with what you've been through, with your past, with your hurts, with your sin, with your mistakes. He sympathizes. So the Bible says because of this, you can't approach, quit hiding from God, but you can approach the throne room with with, uh, the throne of grace with confidence. I want you to see that word confidence. Sometimes we get so marked by shame and we're carrying around the baggage of shame. We think we have to come to God. God, I'm coming on a bowed knee crawling in your presence just trying to itch my way to you Lord because I'm just nasty no the Bible says because Jesus sympathizes with us and he's been tempted in every way that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus sympathizes with what you've been through, what has happened in the past. And I want to tell you, quit running from God and start running to God with confidence so that you can find mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 12, in him, talking about Jesus, in Jesus, and through faith in Jesus, we may approach. Don't hide. Quit running from God and approach God with freedom and confidence, not with shame. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's why we hide from God. It's because we get focused on us. We get focused on our mistakes, on our past, our failures. 
Can I tell you, none of us can ever do anything to be worthy to enter God's presence. But we get focused on us. Can I tell you, we got to get our eyes off us and get our eyes on Jesus. It's only because Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary and he took our place and he died and rose again on the third day that we can approach the throne room of God with confidence. You can't do anything, sir. You can't do anything, ma'am, to make yourself worthy. It's only because of Jesus. You're living in shame because you keep looking at you. You keep looking at your past. You keep looking at your mistake. Get your eyes off you and get your eyes on Jesus.